When I was in seminary, we used to affectionately call this weekend the end of the world Sunday. So happy end of the world Sunday to all of you. If you have anything due tomorrow, don't worry about it. Well, don't bet on it. Year after year, Monday always comes. So anyway, you know, I'm starting to feel really old because I was talking to a group of young people and saying I was listening to the new Coldplay album and they were like, what, who? Coldplay, I mean, they're only like 20 years old or something. But in the month of November, I, there's, a, there's a song I like to listen to called The Cemeteries of London. And it's about uh, going for a walk in the middle of the night through the cemeteries of London and realizing that there are ghosts everywhere. And then realizing that God is trying to send you a message. He says, God comes into my garden, but I don't know what he said because my heart wasn't open. Is your heart closed? And our hearts are closing to the message I'd like to highlight tonight. I preached up in Columbia Falls last weekend, and at the end of one of the masses, a young man comes up to me and goes, hey, Father, I need some advice. And I said, what, what's going on? He goes, well, let me tell you. He goes, not too long ago, there was a lot of racket outside. We live out in the country. And my wife says, someone's out there. And so I'm like, I'm going to go scare him off. So I, I grab my hunting rifle and go chasing. I could see someone, someone running. He starts running away from me. And I'm chasing him, I'm chasing him, screaming and yelling. And he runs kind of around behind the barn. And I run back behind there. And he's gone. I was like screaming and yelling. I don't see him anywhere. So I start to walk back to the house and I'm looking down. It's kind of muddy. And I see my footprints, but I don't see any other footprints. And I get back to the house and my wife's standing there like, her mouth is hanging wide open. And she goes, that was your uncle. He goes, what do you mean that's my uncle? My uncle's been dead for several years. We've got him up on the mantle. That was your uncle. Didn't you see he was glowing? And the guy was like, I didn't realize it, but I saw someone and there was no light, but I could see him. He was glowing. Father, what should I do? So the first thing is this, and I don't know if it's possible or not, but I said, we need to first off follow one of the corporal works of mercy, bury the dead. The reason why we do that. Secondly is, have you had a mass said for him? No, you need to do that. It's important. You know, people ask me, how did you become Catholic? You know, I was raised fairly anti-Catholic. And I said, well, it's kind of ironic because one day I was reading C.S. Lewis and he had this statement that got me really interested in the Roman Catholic faith. He said, I believe in purgatory. I was like, what? C.S. Lewis, you're, you're not Catholic. What's, what's purgatory? And I went on to read a, an account of Lewis who says that uh, he had a friend who was J.B. Phillips, who was a Bible translator, and he died. And he came to me after he died and asked for some help. And he came, I did what he asked, and he came a few months later, and he was bright, and he was glowing, more radiant than ever. I believe in purgatory. What is purgatory? Why is it important? You know, the saints, I was reading the diary of St. Faustina, who had a sister that she lived with and worked with who died, who came to her 
several times in the state of purgatory and said, please help me, please offer prayers. And then finally, Faustina did it, and she came to her and said, now I'm in the state of heaven. And Faustina writes, I realize in human life, there are three stages, this earthly life, purgatory, and heaven, eternal life. So why purgatory? I'm just going to tell you a story that probably explains it better than anything else. Now, I know that you probably think that Father Mark and I are just perfect guys, you know, because we're priests. We just never did anything wrong. But it wasn't, it's not true. I was mischievous when I was a little kid. And one of the things I love to do is I love, like when my parents weren't paying any attention, to get a chair and a stool and put the stool on a chair. It's kind of dangerous, but I could get them to balance and climb up to the top and reach into the top cabinet. And normally I could get cookies. And I'd get cookies, then I'd climb down and go run all off. And, but one day I climbed up there and I was putting my hand around and I found these big round things. And I took them out. And it was the first time in my life I had ever seen Marks-a-Lot's permanent marker. And they were big and fat. And I was like, what are these? And I took the lid off and I smelled it. And I was like, that smells pretty good. And I was like, oh. Then I started playing. I was like, oh, color, red. And then there was a black one. Oh, this is neat. So I ran over to the uh, neighbor's house and got the neighborhood friend of mine, the little girl there. And she came out and said, have you ever seen one of these? And I handed one to her. And she was like, wow. And then we bent down on her driveway and we started drawing. And we spent the whole afternoon drawing pictures and lines and all crazy stuff on her driveway. It was so wonderful. And then her parents came out. Her dad was not happy. Oh, he was furious. And so I was like, uh, I went home and my parents already knew. And my dad says, like, get in your room. So I started crying because I didn't really know that I had done something wrong. I was just having a great time with him. With he goes, well, you shouldn't have climbed up on a stool in a chair. That's the first thing. And I said, you know, I'm really sorry. And he said, you're forgiven. I mean, we, we still love you. We're a little angry. We still love you. We're embarrassed. The neighbors will never talk to us again, but we still love you. But there's a problem. All those marks are still out on the driveway. So here's what you're going to do tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to get this uh, warm, soapy concoction, and you're going to take this scrub brush, and you're going to go over there, and you're going to scrub every line off of that driveway. And so <clears throat> that's what I did. And one hour led to two hours, and I could hear some of my buddies in the backyard across the way playing football. And I was like, I want to play football. I don't like scrubbing all this stuff up. And then I thought, why don't they come over and help me? If all five of them would come over, we could get this done in a fifth of the time and I'd be over with. They never came to help. But that's why we have purgatory. See, when we sin, we have marks on our soul. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, uh, you go to heaven with your wedding garment and you look down and it's filthy. And God's like, well, come on in. And you're like, I don't really want to go in looking like this. And God says, I have a remedy but it might be painful a little bit, but we'll get it done. So anything we do, we can be forgiven eternally for. Jesus forgives us constantly. He's forgiving us in his mercy. It's, it's great. Forgiven. But there's wounds or marks or stains that our acts, our sinfulness leave on our souls, and we have to get rid of them. And so if we don't do that in this life, if we don't attend to our spiritual lives, the writer of the Hebrews says, 
that it's through the mass or through the one sacrifice of Christ, we are being consecrated. We are being made holy. You cannot enter heaven unless you are holy or perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And you're like, well, that's going to be a tall order. And yeah, it is. But it's possible and it's necessary. So we strive for perfection in this life. But if we don't get there, we got those stains, we're forgiven, but we go through a state of purgatory. So what is the state of purgatory? Well, I propose to you that in some ways, sometimes we're tied to the earth or attached to the earth. And so the saints tell us that oftentimes there are ghosts that come and are trying to send us messages not to scare us or to haunt us, but to say, pray for us. Do something to help us. We need help. A corporal worker mercy. Number one, uh, we entered their back in the back of the Northex here. Father Mark, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, put those up. Spiritual and corporal works of mercy. Number one, feed the hungry. And we can do better, but we do a good job at feeding the hungry. But the last one is to bury the dead. And that's the one I don't think we're doing so good on. Because more and more with practicing Catholics and even non-practicing Catholics, they're not following the funeral rites. They're just having some kind of thing called celebration of life. They make it up and there are no prayers for the dead. We're not helping them. It's said that the most helpless human being that lives in this world today is an unborn child. Totally dependent upon its mother and upon God's grace In the darkness of the womb, it is completely can't help itself. And so that's why we advocate for life. We don't want to kill through abortion or other things. We advocate for life because that child is a human being from the moment of conception. But brothers and sisters, when we die, we do not cease to be human. We are still human beings. And one of the most helpless state that a soul can be in, if they're not an unborn child, is in the state of purgatory because they are completely helpless to help themselves. But we can help them. We can go and help scrub that soul in different ways, namely through the Mass and through prayers. And so what are we called to do? Pope Francis has asked us again in this November, last November because of COVID, he extended what's called the, uh, the November indulgence for, from eight days to the whole month, where essentially if we just go to the cemetery and pray, we do a lot of help for souls. When was the last time you were at the cemetery for something other than a burial or goofing around? When was the last time you went out there to pray? See, God sending you a message is your heart open enough to say, Help those in need. Brothers and sisters, to bury the dead and to pray for the dead is a matter of social justice. We hear that term a lot. Social justice is social justice that. When was the last time you heard about social justice for the dead? Because they're still human and they have needs. And more and more in this world, we're getting turned off. Oh, purgatory is such an ancient idea. Hey, if you're there, I think you want prayers. 
And why do you think ghosts are appearing? <laughs> they want our prayers. And you can help. And it's not that hard. You can pray tonight for the dead. It's important. So how else are we connected with the souls in purgatory? The writer Daniel uh, <clears throat> says St. Michael will come. He is the guardian of your people. He's the guardian of the human race, both for us who are living and also for the dead. He aids the souls of the dead through our prayers. We can send them St. Michael for those who have reached the end of time in that way. Also, again, the writer of the Hebrews says, we are being consecrated through the one sacrifice. We help the dead in a significant way through the Mass. If you go to, uh, to a church on the Tiber River in Rome, I'm sure Father Mark has been there, the uh, Sacred Heart of Suffrage. There's a museum there dedicated to the souls in purgatory, and you'll see exhibit after exhibit after exhibit of burned hands, of burned marks, of burned images, even someone, a soul that left money, so, and they all ask the same thing. Please have masses said. Please, please, please. Because the mass is so important that it aids us and it helps us. Are we doing that? Are we, off, are we going to mass and praying for the dead? Or is it all about us and what we get out of it? We have to help each other. And this is a significant thing we can do. Why the burning? There's a beautiful uh, image that comes from something called the Unpublished Manuscript on Purgatory, which is quite popular from the 19th century because it's, it's now published, which is pretty funny. But nevertheless, it's about a sister who sees another sister in the state of purgatory. And the sister relates what it's like to be in purgatory. And she says, God has given me permission to come to you to ask for suffrage, to ask for your prayers. And I love going to Mass. And I love when you go to adoration. But you know what I don't get in purgatory that you get while you're alive? And I wish I had taken more advantage of it. Because now my soul longs for it. When you look into the monstrance, when the priest holds up the host at consecration, I don't see anything. Because my eyes are deprived of the sight of Jesus, which is what my heart longs for. Because when I see Jesus, I am in heaven. And I can't see him. But you can. Take advantage of it. Gaze upon the heart's desire of every soul in purgatory, Jesus Christ, and offer prayers for me because I long to see him. And I will. I know I will. You can help me. How beautiful is that? And how much do we take advantage of it and how much do we let it go to waste? Tonight, when you gaze upon Jesus Christ, offer that gaze for your brothers and sisters who have gone on ahead of us, who are making that journey toward eternal life, who desire and long to see Jesus Christ. You know, devotion to the holy souls, it helps them, but I also say it will help you. It will focus you. It will help make your life holier. It will make you closer to Jesus. So take advantage of it. Uh, make good use of it, particularly in the Mass. Jesus says, when, you know, he gives the example of the fig tree, you know the time is near. One of the things he points out is that 
we never know when our lives are required of us. Make the most of the time you have. You're young, but you never know. You go out to the cemetery and there's some young souls out there. Make the most of every day, of every moment. Draw closer to Jesus Christ. Let yourself become consecrated. Let yourself become holy through the one sacrifice, the mass that ties us to the cross, the one sacrifice for all times and all places offered and united for all time, Jesus Christ. So, if you will, for the rest of November, help the holy souls, devote yourselves to a certain degree in your, your holy life, your, your journey, your discipleship, devote yourself to a certain degree to the souls of the faithful departed. If you will do that, I'll tell you, look for the signs of the time Christmas is coming. Who did the shepherd see? Who will you see? If you devote yourselves well to the Holy Souls, I guarantee you, this Christmas for you on a spiritual level will be blessed. You will discover Jesus Christ in a new and beautiful way. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. Amen. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.